0: Well, welcome in everyone. Uh, Thank you again for joining us, Luke. Uh, We have Luke Mastrovic on again this week as we continue on in Hebrews chapter 11. Uh, We have been on a, I've been on (laughs) a bit of a vacation lately. Um, So I appreciate your patience in, in, uh, in waiting along for the episode. And um, we should be picking back up into a more regular schedule. Uh, as the summer gets on um might have to take another break in a, in a little bit as we've got uh, another baby on the way so um that'll be showing up pretty soon so uh, there might be another break coming so I apologize for that but uh, we thank you for your patience um but anyways this week we'll be continuing on in Hebrews chapter 11 I think we'll be getting through two whole verses today uh, so yeah. that's exciting um, <laughs> And uh, as I said in the the intro, there we have Luke Mastrovic again with us. Go ahead and say hi, Luke. Hi, Luke. Uh-huh. How's it going, everybody? <laughs> uh, they can't answer. <laughs> <laughs> That's
1: true, can't they?
0: Yeah. So. <laughs> well,
1: I hope everyone is doing fine. Let's put it that way. Yeah.
0: It's good to be back. <laughs> I'm I'm sure everyone's doing just fine. <laughs> Uh, Anyways, so let's, uh, let's, let's get right into it. So Hebrews chapter 11, starting in verse five here, by faith, Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death. And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Hmm. So, uh, in the spirit of of reading about Enoch, let's jump right over to Genesis chapter 5, which is where we find him. And in Genesis chapter 5, starting in verse 1, we read this this is the book of the generations of adam when god created man he made him in his in the likeness of god male and female he created them and he blessed them and named them man when they were created when adam had lived 130 years he fathered a son in his own likeness after his image and named him seth the days of adam after he fathered seth were 800 years and he had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days that Adam lived were 930 years, and he died. When Seth had lived 105 years, he fathered Enosh. Seth lived, after he fathered Enosh, 807 years, and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. When Enosh had lived 90 years, he fathered Kenan. Enosh lived after he fathered Kenan 850 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Enosh were 905 years and he died. When Kenan had lived 70 years, he fathered Mahalal. Kenan lived after he fathered Mahalal 840 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, the days of Kenan were 910 years and he died. When Mahalal had lived 65 years, he fathered Jared. Mahalel lived after he fathered Jared 830 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Mahalel were 895 years, and he died. When Jared had lived 162 years, here we go, all you people who waited patiently, he fathered Enoch. Jared lived after he fathered Enoch 800 years and had other sons and daughters. Thus, all the days of Jared were 862 years, and he died. So before we continue on, let's just pause there and uh i think we can all recognize that uh, sometimes the genealogies can be the most uh dragging parts of scripture they're not always the the most exciting parts we kind of get to those passages of scripture and speed weight or speed read our way through them uh and and uh don't really take too much into it but if if we if we just spend a little bit of time to to look at what's being discussed there, even from a overarching view, we can see a pattern developing that uh, that the, the writers in Genesis and, and in this time um, for this passage, the genealogies are incredibly important and it's showing kind of how um, each generation passed on from Adam, yeah. which I know seems like a very, simple and and obvious thing to state but really uh our our heritage as being in adam is really setting uh the tone for scripture because this is it really almost sets the baseline knowing that all mankind traces back to adam that god didn't create a second humanity that adam is the the center uh, sort of genealogy is really important to understand in that that's why we are under the curse of sin mm-hmm. because we're, we're all tied back to Adam and even in in this genealogy we can see and the numbers can become a little bit almost uh, uh, hypnotic but the Lord really blessed these men mm. and what we can see here is that even though these men were living in sin
1: after Mm -hmm. adam had
0: sinned Mm -hmm. they were living in their rebellion against god yeah and 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 we know that because they're humans and all all humans are like that and so they're they're living in their rebellion against god and and yet we see number after number of you know adam lived 930 years seth lived 912 years uh enosh lived 905 years um keenan lived 910 years mahalal 895 years um like all these jared 962 years yeah all these men are 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 living these these long long full lives and really this first of all kind of points to god is really being gracious here
1: amen that's it yeah
0: uh yeah and and We can look at these genealogies and we can marvel even just at the fact that God is being so gracious in this time that um, Adam sins against him, promises Hmm. that he will die. But instead of killing him directly, uh, he allows him and his generations after him to live like almost a millennium, some of them. Yeah. It's incredibly gracious and, and incredibly kind.
1: Yeah. And, uh, you know, I know that there's the, you know, thinking about our trip in this, during the summer, going to the Ark Encounter, about that they lived longer because of, you know, pre-flood and the environment and the canopy and all that. and But like you said, ultimately, it boils down to the grace of God that God allowed man to live another day and another day and another day after rebelling and defying holy God. And so, uh, yeah, I mean, when you look again at those genealogies, it sometimes seem kind of daunting or uh, maybe even one might could say monotonous. The grace of God does scream off the pages of Scripture, even when you look at gene- genealogies such as Genesis chapter 5, for sure. It's a great observation.
0: Yeah. The other part I, I want to get at, too, is that genealogies matter. And that isn't necessarily a statement of um, you need to now go get a subscription to Ancestry.com and figure out uh, <laughs> where your name started and, and all of your grandfathers and great-grandfathers and grandmothers and whatever yeah. else. Um, that's, that's not to say that our previous generations uh, define us. However, genealogies matter. And uh, as we read through this, it becomes more pointed as we get into the story of Noah and we'll kind of address that maybe when we get there mm-hmm. is that around these men uh, in this line, mankind is progressively getting more and more wicked and evil uh, so much to the fact that, that, uh, you know, Enoch is the grandfather mm. Um Grandfather? No, sorry, great grandfather of Noah. Mm -hmm. Enoch is a great grandfather of Noah, and so within three generations of Enoch, um, God is going to come to that great grandson and and say that He's going to judge the entire world uh, by killing all mankind with a flood, except for him and his family. Yeah. And it's a short genealogy, but the point I'm trying to draw out here is that even though our previous generations don't define us. You matter in, in the string of, of your family. And if you're listening to this and you know, Christ, you have, um, an obligation, a burden and, and, uh, a a deeply important role to play, not just in your own children's lives, Mm -hmm. but you could be, uh, that link in the chain, which ends up bringing Christ or, or continuing uh, mm-hmm. the chain of, of Christ's gospel in generations of families, what you do with your life, not only matters to you, it matters to the generations after you. Because mm-hmm. if any one of those generations before Noah might have been uh, a, a wicked sort of uh, um, idolater, or, or something like that, the story might have been different. Yeah. Uh, of course we, we believe that, that God is is divinely in control of, of this and, and is, right. is guiding um, those those hmm. each of those steps, each of those geni- uh, generations. but right. still, still, um, hmm. what separates this line from uh, other ones that ended up not making it onto the ark is faith. and hmm. and we're going to see that as we get into the to verse six in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, Mm -hmm. but I, I, I just want to draw some attention in that genealogy that as well, our role in the future of our families matters, especially if you're listening to this as a man, it matters a lot. You have been charged. You've been put in charge of your, of your family. Uh, You've been, uh, put in a role of, of leadership in your family by God Mm -hmm. And, and your, uh, duty, your job, it really matters. And and you serve a purpose. Ladies out there, if if you're listening to this, and uh, if if you're married, if you're not married, especially if you're not married, um, this should come to mind as well, that the man that you choose, Mm -hmm. um, the man that's in your life, uh, this needs to be in the back of your mind. Is this a man who's going to be able to lead um, our family that's going to be able to Uh, guide them in godliness because uh, that's that's a big deal
1: yeah amen well said i really don't have anything to add to that um i will say this though that you'll see in genesis chapter 5 verse 24 it says enoch walked with god and he was not for god took him but that what it means when it says he walked with god is what it explains actually in um verse number five um, now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Um, that's what it says in Genesis that he walked with God, that that's translated as what it says in, in Hebrews 11, that he pleased God.
0: Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and, and, uh, we'll, we'll certainly, we'll certainly get, uh, into that in a couple seconds. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. One more thing I wanted to, to, uh, address in this, this uh, talking about our genealogies and and our fatherhood mm-hmm. is um that that really matters uh and if we look around uh, i think we can see in our culture in our society uh, a very large issue with and and sorry men i'm going to put you on the spot here um absenteeism as in fatherhood um mm-hmm. I, I think we can look and we can point the fingers at all the people that we want to, Um, but I I think a lot of issue that we're dealing with right now with uh, a lack of of moral development uh, in our young people, um, uh, uh, even the socioeconomical structure of um, the effects of of single motherhood uh, on our society and, and how devastating of effect that's had um, people like to point the fingers at the single moms who've raised their children the best they can, but really where they should be pointing the fingers at the men that left those families.
1: Yeah. And, and, and I can attest to that because as you know, my story, Tim, I didn't really have a dad growing up mm-hmm. closest to a dad I had with my grandfather. And even then, uh, Yeah, sorry,
0: grandparents... I am I'm, I'm trying to be respectful. <laughs>
1: no, no. And so, no, no, you're, you're doing great, but it just goes to prove your point, the effects, uh, and the importance of having a, a, a godly mother, yes, but also a godly father mm-hmm. and, and the way God designed it to be. And then when that gets broken, uh, the, how, I guess, out of order things are or can be, uh, yet at the same time, knowing that uh, God redeems those situations. It doesn't mean that that mom and dad will necessarily get bad together, but that, um, you know, I think it was Vodi Bacham, I believe, who said uh, that, uh, you know, anyone who wants to say, and yes, on one hand, having a godly mom and dad does have an effect and it is important that at the same time, you know, one can't go throughout their whole life saying, well, I didn't have a dad, I didn't have this, and using that as an excuse or a cop-out, too, and that by the grace of God, that you or a person by the grace of god can break the cycle and that maybe they didn't have a godly heritage Mm -hmm. but that by the grace of god through his power that now and then moving forward that that godly heritage can can begin um and so there is hope even for people who have not um had that situation
0: and you're Um, a perfect example of that too
1: well, and, and again, I mean, you know, and I appreciate that, Tim. I mean, it's just the grace of God. And, and, uh, and I know you know that. And, mm-hmm. um, but I mean, just looking at, uh, you know, where, as you said, God has brought me from. And, and, and it's still bringing, I mean, we're, we're as, we, we all, as we know, we're a work in progress. Mm-hmm. And God doing his sanctifying work in the life of his, lives of his children. Um, but yeah, uh, just, it is very important. But at the same time, knowing that through Christ, uh, through the power of his Holy spirit at work in our lives, that we can have that even if we never did.
0: Yeah. And you also had the benefit of, of godly God of, of grandparents in your, in your life too. Did,
1: did have, did have the, the influence of, of Christian grandparents. And, and I'm thankful for that, um, that there was a, there's a lot of, um, there was a, n- a number of good things that, that came from God putting me in that situation um, as imperfect as, that was or as any situation will be but it was still as you know the better than than what i had prior to that right. but um definitely gave some some building blocks or stepping stones to to build on for sure yeah absolutely
0: and god can certainly intervene in in those sorts of situations uh, absolutely right. of course we believe that god is uh is is a god who, who loves all people um, and yeah. certainly loves to, to interject himself and, and create yeah. those, those links. Yeah. If if we want to look at it as a chain, create that, that starting link in a chain going on That's for it. forward. And of course we can look at your family now and see mm. the effects of that, of, of God reaching mm. out and saving you. And and then now you are the, the head and household of a, of a godly household. So, um, but, and this is, this is where that, where I'm coming at. It's important. Our, mm. our our role in this Mm -hmm. is integral uh so so i i I just want to say when we're looking at those genealogies let's not just quickly gloss over them let's really Mm -hmm. take some moments and think about the effects of and we're not really seeing in the black and white there that necessarily um you know god was preached in the household per se and yet uh as you just read we do Mm -hmm. read that 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 was a case with enoch yes in that uh verse 21 when enoch had lived 65 years he fathered methuselah enoch walked with god after he fathered methuselah 300 years and had other sons and daughters thus all the days of enoch were 365 years enoch walked with god and he was not for god took him mm-hmm. so we know that, that he specifically um walked with god uh, how what that means what that looks like um, we don't exactly know. As you read in, in, in verse 5 of Hebrews chapter 11, we get a, a little better look at what that, that looks like. Um, By faith, Enoch was taken up that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. So we kind of get a sense of of what that means uh, when it says that he walked with God. It's that he he was pleasing to God. That his um, life was was pleasing to God. Right. But that being said, Enoch definitely stands out as a as an almost isolated case. Not quite. I mean, we know that that Elijah was taken up into heaven. Right. Um, yep. and though Moses died, we know from the book of Jude that uh his body was was fought over um how much of that uh you know, whether that means he, his body was taken to heaven or or whether it was just the angel that that Michael the archangel was, was just protecting it um yeah, keeping we, it
1: hidden from man to because if man got a hold right. of it, they'd more worship him. Worship
0: mm-hmm. the, the remains. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so we don't know exactly uh right. what that implies, but but we do know that for sure mm-hmm. we have two examples of men who were alive and then were taken to heaven in, in Elijah mm-hmm. and so um but Elijah, I guess we get a more um detailed look at, at what his life looked like and then what his right. um, going up in a whirlwind looked like. Yes. Uh but That being said, it's still an extremely rare occurrence, (laughs) exactly. (laughs) Extremely rare occurrence, yeah. And so, we do know the kind of man that Elijah was, yeah. Um, and in fact, Elijah is very, very closely tailored with messianic imagery. Um, I mean, Jesus was uh, well, John the Baptist, which was called the best man who uh, was born of woman, um, was compared to elijah yes um there's a lot of of comparisons between uh christ's coming or the mess messiah's coming and like a second appearing of of elijah mm-hmm. um of course uh, elijah is one of the men that was on the mountain of transfiguration uh so so we we see that a lot of elijah imagery um and so i think it's it's fair to to associate somewhat uh, with Enoch, um, mm-hmm. Elijah. Again, that's not in black and white. It doesn't say Enoch was like Elijah. Um, <laughs> so we, we we have to be careful with that one. But I think if we're if we're struggling to look for what that kind of looks like, uh, I think there's there's something to be said for that in that those are the two examples we have. But um, yeah, because because it
1: mean. As it says, I think it's in James, that, you know, Elijah was a, a man with a light nature as, our, as we had, just like Enoch. Mm-hmm. But, and even though it doesn't go into detail of what it was that he did that please God, mm-hmm. we do know what's important. And that is, sum up, summary, he pleased God. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so we don't really even have to know. I mean, yes, God does, like in Elijah, he does, we do have a, a, bro- a much broader idea of his life and that kind of thing but we don't really have to know and in Enoch's case it's just he pleased god Mm -hmm. and that's what's important and what pleased god that whatever it is that he did what or the things that he did whatever those things were were pleasing to the lord because it was done in and through and by faith
0: yeah and and he pleased god in the role of which he was called at the time in which he lived right um, so, and, and really at the end of the day, that's really what, what we need to know, because to be mm-hmm. honest, many of us, if not like all of us are not going to be called to be like Elijah. We're just not, <laughs> um, that, Elijah was, was a, a major prophet during uh, an evil time. And, mm-hmm. uh, he was called to, to a special, uh, divine work of, of God, uh, for a time. And uh, we're just not going to have a ministry like Elijah did. The vast majority of us, and so, right. so but
1: what you're bringing up though is still very important to camp on, and that is is that, and he even says it of King David that you know, in spite of David and his sin, and we could talk about that, but that he was faithful unto his generation, mm-hmm. and that you know there are people that talk about the glory days. And, 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 oh, I wish we could be back then where, where it was even said from the pulpit this Sunday by Pastor Philip Johnson that, that we have a funny way of remembering things because things are not necessarily as great and grand and glorious as we thought they were even back, you know, years ago, but that God has placed us in sovereignly, that he's declared that he's decreed that we are in the generation that we are in now. And, uh, you know, we don't have to say, I wish I was here, I wish I was in this generation. No, God is put us exactly where he wants us to, to be faithful, to declare the gospel, to declare truth, to be uh, shining lights for Christ right here in the now. Yes, you're right. We're not going to be uh, an Elijah or or an Enoch, but we are called to walk faithfully. We are called to walk by faith just as they did in whatever it is that we do, you know, whether we're a factory worker, whether we're a, a preacher someone's a pastor whatever the case may be that whatever we do that we that we do it through faith
0: yes um as you as you know i'm a big lord of the rings fan yes uh we just got talking about this actually i was just talking about this with my dad um and the quote came to mind of of gandalf when he says uh when he's talking to frodo and, and frodo says i wish none of this had happened um, that none of these times had happened. And, and Gandalf says, well, so does, so do all people who live to see such times, but that's not for us to decide what's for us to decide is what to do with the times that are given us.
1: Mm, amen.
0: And yeah. yeah, I know it's, it's said in a fantasy novel, but all of us who know <laughs> Christ are, are reading that and saying, amen. Um, that's it. so, uh, w- and and that holds true here. And again, we could we could even go over to Ezra with the the building of Ezra's temple. And yeah. after the the temple is built, uh, there's yeah. this scene that happens where uh, there's an older generation who was alive during the time of Solomon's temple, and there's mm-hmm. the younger generation which just helped build uh, Ezra's temple, the the new temple. And the the younger generation are singing praises to God for the work that he's done in delivering them and bringing them back to the Holy land, allowing them to to build him a house again and, you know, establishing his presence once again in the land of Israel. Yeah. But then it's contrasted with at the same time that the, the, the younger are singing praises, the older generation is lamenting and weeping because yeah. they remember the glory of Solomon's temple and the new temple is, is nothing uh nothing like the glory of of the old temple and so they're weeping and lamenting and it says that their weeping and lamenting actually drowns out the praise of of Mm. the younger generation and there's there's um there's a reprimand given there and and the the implication is that we should never be so focused on what was Mm. that we forget um or or Mm cease to be able to do what the Lord has called us to do now. And that even though the now might not look as glorious as what was before, um, because God is in it, it is as glorious as, as what was before. Um, so we are, we are called, uh, to do what we can with the time that we have. And, uh, the Lord uses what we have, uh, what we yeah. do and really, uh, it wasn't the amount of gold that was in the temple that was important. Mm. It was uh, the hearts of the worshipers who came to the temple. That was important. Um, yeah. Those who were singing praises uh, to God in, in those times. And so likewise, right. uh, and, and, that actually segues great into to verse six, which is, and without faith, it is impossible to please him for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. In other words, it's not the actions that Enoch did that pleased God. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: It's not the actions that Elijah did that pleased God. Uh, It's not the actions that David did that pleased God. Um, It wasn't the actions that John the Baptist did that pleased God. It wasn't the actions that Moses did that pleased God. It was the faith that drove those actions that pleased God. That's uh, what this all comes down to. And, And again, we're in the faith chapter of Hebrews. And again, this is why we are going very slow through this and we're taking our time going through this because we want to nail down a message here. We want to nail down. If we, we're probably going to take as much time going through the, chapter 11 as we, we did going through uh, the rest of this book. And the point of that is we want to stake a flag here in, in this part of, of Hebrews. We want to, to plant a flag in this part of scripture to say that it is not what your hands do that pleases the Lord. It is the, the heart and the faith that motivates those hands that pleases the yes. Lord. And the right. reason for that has as much to do with the fact that if your heart is right with God, and you have faith in Him, and your faith is, is where it should be with God, then your hands mm-hmm. will naturally carry out uh, what is pleasing to God. Um, it, it's, it's, a, it's a cause and effect. And, and so the cause here, as we just read, the cause behind mm-hmm. Enoch's um, pleasing God is not the action. It doesn't even mention the actions in here. Um, In, in verse six, it never once mentions anything that he did. Um, But rather it says Mm -hmm. uh, that it's, it's the faith without faith. It is impossible to please him. That literally just says you can do all the actions you want and it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, Again. Yeah. And and
1: true, true faith in God, true faith in God speaks that of our love and our affection for him again you if you love me if you love me you keep my commands and that's even demonstrated it says not only is it said without, without faith it's impossible to please God but then it says for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists so there's this idea that faith means that there's this drawing near to God that it's this, this intimacy, it's, it's fellowship, it's relationship. It's, again, not doing things for just the sake of doing things. It's not doing things out of duty. We, as Christians, what's pleasing to God is done through faith, and when it's done through faith in God, true, genuine faith, authentic faith, then that demonstrates our love and our affection that we're drawing near to Him. Scripture says if we draw near to him he'll draw near to us and uh, so otherwise if we're just doing things again it's just pure unadulterated legalism Mm -hmm. that's all it is yeah so
0: and if we go back to the gospels we look at the rich young ruler who um kept the law all the days of his life and uh, that's not what pleases the lord that's uh and that in fact in he says you know I've, I've kept the law what more shall i do and and jesus says "Sell so all that you have and follow me and the uh, the rich yes. young ruler goes away sad because he knows he can't do that um or he feels he can't do that how uh, you want to look at that um and uh and him and jesus and the disciples in a, in a way lament in the sense that Mm -hmm. uh, Jesus laments, obviously, because of the choice that he made. Um, But the disciples really take notice of that. And they say, well, if a rich man who's kind of, you know, the apex of the social economic community, uh, this guy was was rich. uh, He was religious. uh, If that guy can't be saved, then what kind of hope does anybody else have? Uh, And Jesus the insinuation there, of, of course, is well. And Jesus says, "What's what's impossible for man is possible for God." And the yeah. insinuation, it, it doesn't matter what you do, um, you, you can't save yourself, you can't please mm-hmm. God. It, it's it's impossible. It's it's the faith and the heart that that ultimately end up pleasing God. Um, and, and so for. For us, yeah,
1: to... and, and I think about you. Think about uh, the the rich young ruler. Mm-hmm. Go
0: ahead.
1: Oh, the connection. Oh, it says the connection is unstable.
0: Well, I hear you.
1: I hear you now. It was okay. breaking up a second ago. Here we go. Yeah. Okay. Here go ahead. Go. No, I was going to say uh, Philippians three. We're doing Philippians in Sunday school, and uh, Paul is uh, saying uh, look out for the dog speaking of the judaizers uh, out to look out for ev- the evildoers look out for those who mutilate the flesh for we are the circumcision who worship by the spirit of god and glory in christ jesus and put no confidence in the flesh though i myself have reason for confidence in the flesh also if anyone else thinks he has reason for confidence in the flesh i have more mm-hmm. circumcised on the eighth day of the people of israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of of Hebrews, as to the law of Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to righteousness under the law, blameless. But whatever I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish or dung, refuse, or that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. That I may know him, and speaking of intimacy, of intimate relationship with, with Christ, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead um the he counted that as loss mm-hmm. when you compare that and stack that to knowing christ and being in a personal relationship with him and being and having a deep intimacy with christ
0: yeah amen and and certainly the last part of, of verse six comes back to this as well which is um the, uh, for whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Mm-hmm. The, the second part of that, especially, I mean, obviously we have to believe he exists in order to have faith. right? Um, but, uh, but especially that second part that he rewards those who seek him. I think that's striking at, at the heart of our natural inclination to believe that God's pleasure in us relies on how good we're doing <laughs> which is which is completely wrong mm. See, and that's another important part about understanding faith is that legalism if we want to put it at legalism versus faith or right. religion let's say religion versus faith um if, if we want to look at religion religion says i do therefore i am if i you know um if i don't do these sins during my week. If I give so much to the poor, if I serve God in in X amount of ways, then I am acceptable. Uh, I I am pleasing to God. um, So I do, therefore I am. Where faith says, I am, therefore I do. Mm -hmm. And it's a big difference because then that says, it doesn't matter um, what I do. God has already staked his pleasure in me And because God has invested his pleasure and his salvation, his spirit, uh, his, his affection, his love in me, because of that, I will there serve him out of love. And so the important part of that is when you're dwelling in religion and you're saying, uh, I do, therefore I am. Then as soon as you stop doing, or you struggle with doing, you hit a Mm -hmm. season of, 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 um, you know, maybe, maybe a sin starts really kicking you in the teeth or, um, you backslide a bit on your study time or, or whatever the case is, um, right. you hit a, a, cause we all have stormy seasons in our faith. Uh, yeah. So if you hit a stormy season or, you know, a dark night of the soul, however you want to look at that, then if you're looking at it from a, a I do therefore I am, mm. uh, then all of a sudden now you start questioning whether God loves you or whether God could accept you, or whether you're saved at all, or whether um, the Lord could ever uh, take pleasure in you. But if you look at it from, I am, therefore I do, then as soon as you hit those stormy sections, it Mm -hmm. actually pushes you even more to say, even though I'm struggling right now, I know my father loves me. I Mm -hmm. know my father cares for me, because it is Christ that he sees in me. And that should motivate us, push us to serve him even more, to love him even more, to seek him even more. And Mm -hmm. so I I think that's why that's a very important distinction at the end of that verse.
1: Yeah. Out of, out of, out of thankfulness, Mm -hmm. out of gratitude Gratitude, for what God has done. uh, You know, it's like, there's this idea and I may have shared this before. I don't know, but it's like a guy, a pastor who said, you know, um, there's there are christians true believers that have the mentality of i didn't read my bible i didn't pray i didn't do this and I'll, and i now i've had this horrible day and this is punishment for what you know for not reading enough of my bible or you know those kinds of things i haven't prayed enough whatever and it's like what a horrible view of god that we have even in christendom that god is not out to get his pound of flesh with his children That any pound of flesh that has happened, happened by pouring out his wrath on the Mm son and the substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. So that's the, any pound of flesh has already happened. And the uh, wrath of God was absorbed in the son of God for all those who would put their faith and trust in him. So God is not out to get us that anything that happens to us is for God's glory and our good and our good is for our sanctification, which is for God's glory. Um, also, too, in thinking about without faith is impossible to please Him, we live, Tim, and it's nothing new. But I maybe sometimes it seems more in our face because of of social media, of technology, and all of that. Is there are there is mentality in Christendom that if we have enough programs, if we have fuller more full congregations, you yep. know, and, and have this program, this program, this, 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 and this, and, and appeal to the masses, that that's somehow, you know, getting God's attention, and God is pleased with that. When God has not changed his mind, just like Enoch walked by faith, and, and, and his faith pleased God, and Noah, and Abel, and those listed here in the, in the Hall of Fame of Faith, um, and even those not listed in the Hall of Fame of Faith, but that were, that were men and women who, who walked by faith, um, it's the same true today. You know, we think we're wowing God with all of our with our programs and everything else, and not that those things are necessarily wrong within themselves. If I may say this, God's formula, if you want to call it that, has not changed, and that is to obey me
0: mm-hmm.
1: and you obey me by walking in and through faith, but we can't obey Christ if we don't know what he wants us to do. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ or hearing by the word of God. We cannot believe what we don't know. We can't cherish and have deep affection for what we do not know. So we have a plethora, and I don't mean to be a negative Nancy here, but we have a plethora of churches in Christendom who think we'll do all these gadgets and gizmos and totally missing the mark. And sometimes we fall into it, maybe not necessarily with consumerism, but as you talk about performance and if we, well, if we could just do this, we could just do that. Yep. When, we're, when we're accepted through Christ because the atoning work of Christ, we've been accepted. But we, and we in, in especially in North America and in and, and Western culture, we have, for, I'd say, for all intents and purposes in a massive way, bought into that logic hook line and sinker that if we have this this if we have all the fog lights and the the fog and the lights and everything else that god is somehow impressed with that and it's like no you know was it the song the, the heart of worship i'll give you more than the song for a song in itself is not what you have required you search, search much deeper within you're looking into my heart again that's what god is concerned about You know, there is something I saw on Facebook and excuse my, my tangent for a second or my soapbox, Mm -hmm. but there was an ad on Facebook that said something to the effect of how to grow your small, how to grow your church. And I, I just like, how about the word of God? How about declare God's word? Because that's what changes lives is God's word. And how about just doing that? And, and we've just totally in many respects. Now there are, believers there are congregations that truly do hunger for the word of god make no mistake i understand that but it breaks my heart when i see those who who claim the name of christ and i'm not even saying that they're not even saved but that they go to other things and they say oh we just want to do this and do this thinking they're pleasing god and it's like no we want to know what the will of god is we want to know what's pleasing to him and then to do so by faith, then we have to get God's word embedded into our hearts and lives. Yeah. And it's not going to happen any other way.
0: Yeah. And I will say as well, just to uh, to wrap up your, your soapbox there, <laughs> um, no, you've you've got a very good point. And I think a large part of that problem stems back to what we were talking about right at the beginning, where... Um, and I, I remember a, a pastor talking about this. I can't remember exactly which pastor it was, but mm-hmm. um, he 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 was talking about this, and he said um, that uh, when he when he I, I believe he was saying when when he started out in his church, mm-hmm. he had a bunch of people coming up to him and asking him about this program and this program and those program and that program and wanting them to do him, and he stood right. in front of his church. And he said, um, men, I want you to raise your hand if you spend time every week teaching your children and teaching your family the gospel of Christ, teaching them from the word. Mm. Not one hand went up. And he said, look, you're not outsourcing this to the church. And until you men start doing this, we're not doing any programs here. Mm. And and it it really ushered in a a time of, of... of, of growth in christ in that church but yeah. this stems back to we can't outsource and it doesn't just happen with our families it happens with ourselves as well oh sure we can't replace uh time in scripture personal time yeah. in scripture and personal time in prayer uh, yeah. by by adding church programs into our weekly schedule you can't replace that no. the the gospel begins not in your church but in your heart that's right and and thereby the the gospel for your family doesn't start in a church program it happens mm. in your household right in, in their hearts and if you're a man again I'm sorry to pick on you guys but if you're <laughs> a man listening to this that's your job yeah. as as the the head of a household that is your job to make sure that that's happening i understand many of you are busy you all have jobs That's fine. Find ways, find ways of, of making sure Mm. that your children are getting scripture and, and, and especially watching you live it. Um, Mm. That's, that's huge. So you can't outsource those things. And I think a large part of, of our young people leaving the church in mass numbers right now has largely to do with the fact that they've grown up, not seeing how this, thing that they're hearing about on sunday translates into real life and that's a that's a tragic a tragic um failure on our part as fathers so um I, and you know th- it's
1: really it's really disheartening tim and i know we could talk a long time about this but and i quoted Vody bacham earlier i'm going to kind of cite him again and that is and it's so true and i know this to be true Speaking of men, because you were talking about that just now and also earlier in the podcast about generational, you know, breaking the cycle, things like that, um, is that when you take a young man, let's say, and he's interested in early church history, he's interested in the word of God, sound doctrine, good sound theology, and he said more often than not, and I, I agree with him. More often than not, especially in America, Canada, and North America, you have a young man like that. What is the response by most of the people what they say to that young man? You need to go to Bible college. You need to go to Bible college. Now, what his point is, is he's saying it's almost as if people, some people, not all, but some people who say that are saying, we can't tolerate your kind here. You need to go to Bible college. Yep. You, know, you need to be a pastor. And his point was, what's wrong? What's wrong with just having men that are godly, that have a hunger for God's word, have a hunger for doctrine, for theology, to lead their homes and families is what God has instructed us as men to do. Why does it have to automatically be, if I may be a little bit cynical here for a second, yeah. why can't it just be that we have – like that movie, I think it was called A Few Good Men. Why can't we just have a few good men that love Jesus, that want to catechize their families, that want to teach their families instruction, teaching from the Word of God? Why don't we just have – why can't we you know, say more of that rather than, in a, in a number of cases, jumping to the conclusion, oh. Well, you need to go to Bible college. Well, maybe it may be that they're that they're, that God wants them to, and I'm not discounting that entirely. But I think it is very telling when we see a lot of people in North America, a lot of believers, that oh, you got to go to Bible college, rather than just hey, I'm glad you have a hunger and desire for God's word.
0: <laughs> yeah, no, and and I I would agree with that. And there's a couple other issues I see with that as well. Is is first of all uh, the implication that the only way that you get any sort of sound doctrine is from bible college yeah which is is obnoxiously offensive in the sense right. of god has given us his word mm-hmm. a, a young man shouldn't have to go to bible college there's nothing wrong with that if sure. that's where he wants to go but yeah. there's why can't he just study scripture so that's yeah. number one number yeah. two is I think that's a largely indicting statement that we say we have to outsource his education to Bible college because we we can't train him here. Right. What? Like, to me, if a young man is coming up and and has an interest in God, wants to learn scripture, you know, wants to to learn early church history, all that stuff. Quit sending those guys to Bible college, train them and have them. Training the next generation of young guys. Like, why are we kicking them out of our church? And I think that's what you're talking about. Why are yes. we kicking them out of our young bodies and and yeah. sending them off to other churches when you could use those guys <laughs> right, here, right a, now?
1: A buddy of mine, he lives in in Dodge County in in Georgia, and he's and he's got a hunger and a passion for the Word of God, and he has had people come to him constantly and say well, you know, why don't you be a pastor? Why don't you be a preacher or whatever? Te- you know? And he's like, I don't think that's my calling. I just yeah. love God's word. I just want, and that's that he's proof of the point of what many in Christendom are guilty of.
0: And, and like why
1: men to lead their families and to equ- train and equip other men.
0: Yeah. And it's it's almost like they look at young men like that um, or any anyone really. They, uh, they almost mm-hmm. look at people like that like they're from some other planet. Yes. It's like they're some sort of like, like specially gifted super Christian in the making. And I look at that and I'm like, no, no, they're just meeting the base qualifications of what everyone in the church should be like. That should not be, and that, again, goes back to what you're saying. We should not be outsourcing those people to Bible college. Right. they want to go to Bible college, that's fine. Sure. We should not be be kicking those people out. We should be bringing those people in, and I wouldn't say setting them up on a pedestal, but I would be saying we need to be bringing those people and saying, look, everyone else in the church, like this is what you should be like. This is the kind of hungering for scripture you should have in your life. This and is if I kind of man. desire that you should want, if
1: I may, your dad did that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, remember he served at Grace Baptist Church two occasions at least that I can think of. He did an old and New Testament survey for anybody that wanted to do it, mm-hmm. and he also did the uh, the build program. It was the Book of Acts, mm-hmm. and it's for any believer that was hungering and thirsting after the Word of God. It wasn't, yep. oh, we're really you know pushing people to go to Bible college here. Again, it's wonderful if that's what God wants you to do, but it was getting god's word more embedded into our hearts and lives and so um again i just get you know i think it's yeah maybe a soapbox but i think it's a good one because i think that there's just a lot of that that is permeated the church another another one more example then i'll hush and that is i was talking to a pastor and we were talking about getting into the deeper when i say the deeper things i'm saying you just really uh you know as far as uh verse by verse, and really just expositionally, uh, you, know, you know, teaching God's word. And some pastors have this approach, or some that call themselves pastors, well, we don't want to go too deep for, for the with the people. Uh, because, you know, well, we're, we're nerdy, and, you know, they're not. Well, it, it, it's to me, it's like, okay, you're basically saying then, then that, it's too deep for the common christian Mm -hmm. and so it's like almost like this dumbing down of the congregation and it's like no paul charged timothy preach the word
0: just declare teach exposit explain the word of god yeah and and And, we we covered that a bit in hebrews as well with with the writer of, of hebrews saying like you guys are still drinking milk guys like, yeah. <laughs> come on, let's, let's, let's put away the milk and let's get into the meat. Like that's it. There's, there's a time for the milk when you're, when you're, right. when you're a baby, there's a time yes. for that, but yep. you guys got to grow up. You, you got to start digging in, into the meat. And I think yep. I, I heard a, a, a speaker once say that, um, getting into the meat of the word is, is hard, um, mm-hmm. it is difficult because there's, there's contention um, that, that brings that, that comes into it because especially once you start getting into the meat, you get into some opinionated, um, you know, viewpoints of scripture, interpretations, interpretations of scripture, and that can sometimes get heated, but, um, which is why a lot of people stick to the, to the milk because it's a little less, um, interpretation based, but this, this speaker said like, you know, if, if all you ever serve is milk, then all you're ever going to get is spilt milk but mm. if if you serve meat there's going to be a bit of blood on the floor mm. and that's that's what happens you know yeah. um that is that is what happens but as uh, as you know proverb says as iron sharpens iron you know if, yeah. if you've got a piece of iron sharpening iron there's going to be sparks that are flying that's yeah, just sharpening. what happens mm. um but there's nothing wrong with that no as long as you're doing it in love with yep. one another it's fine. Yeah. Like some of my dearest brothers I have in, in Christ are ones that there are topics in scripture. I just don't see eye to eye on them on, and <laughs> that's fine. Yeah. We, we love and respect each other. We talk yes, it out. We don't yeah. have to agree. We don't have to walk away seeing it the same way. That's fine. We love and respect each other. And, and you know what? Sometimes those mm-hmm. discussions are, I can think back to some of the, the discussions which I have been most defining in my faith have been ones where i was on the other side and we were talking it we left uh it was you know heated conversations i left i thought about it for two or three days and then like over a process of months i started to go hey you know what maybe what <laughs> the saying is actually in here maybe i'm seeing it wrong and over the course of time the lord works on you and works on your heart and yes you end up coming around to seeing it a different way and in that sense, if I'd have just been served milk, maybe I'd have never changed my viewpoint, and I'd have been living in error right now. Yeah. Um, it, and it, and yet, because those things came out, because a right. little blood was spilled, uh, right, I was able to see, hey, you know, maybe I, I was wrong on this one, and and now I've changed the way I, I see things.
1: I'd be careful how I how I talk about this because I'm not about to address these topics one by one. But uh, I know that there's a buddy of mine who he introduced me to the doctrines of grace, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, the tulips, such as like total depravity and mm-hmm. perseverance of the saints and all that. And, and, and I'm not here to discuss that, but I, I am mm-hmm. here to say that I know that in the conversation, I wouldn't say it was heated, but it was a bit intense. Mm-hmm. It was intense fellowship. Maybe we'll call it that. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and, and I'm like, dude, I love you, brother but you're over here and I'm over here and I'm not ever going to agree with you on, on these things. Now it was, I don't know if it was two years later, three years later, it was some good length of time later. What he challenged me on, I end up saying, you know what? I think that is what the Bible is telling what the Bible is saying. Yeah. That's what scripture says. Yeah. And, but now it may have been that I may not have come to that, you know, uh, conclusion, But the point of the matter is, like you said, we'll never move on to the meat if we don't, you know. We're we're, and I say challenging one another. I don't mean in a in an arrogant way, but
0: but to challenge one another, say,
1: "Oh yeah, I didn't I didn't realize that, or I really didn't look at the scriptures that way."
0: Yeah. Well, and and it's extremely arrogant in some respects to say that we're constantly mindful of the entirety of Scripture at all.
1: (laughs) Yeah. (sighs) Um, oh,
0: and and so there's yes. plenty of people who hold the different viewpoints um on many different topics that are right. very staunch on it and yeah. it's just because they haven't they haven't really spent a whole lot of time looking into it and um mm. we're all in those camps all. oh yeah you no know, oh, yeah and, and, and so there's times when when you are stuck on something and then all <laughs> of a sudden someone says oh what about in scripture where it says here and you go no, there's no way it says that in Scripture, and then look you look yeah. it up, and they, holy smokes, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, exactly. that's 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 a pretty uh, pretty indicting statement on my viewpoint. Oh yeah, and, and like you said, every you time to people, meditate on it, and you find out you're wrong.
1: That's right, exactly. And there's also there's there's some passages that even the deepest, even the most scholarly theologian is like, I don't still don't understand this over here. And, uh, so, you know, yeah, you're right. Anybody that says, oh yeah, I've attained all that I understand, you know, everything that the Bible says is like, okay, you're a liar and the truth is not in you. <laughs> and
0: and yeah, that's fine. Right. That's, that's part of the mystery of, of God and mystery of scripture. And, uh, I don't say mystery in the sense of we can't understand it Sure. as much as that is to say that, that this book is written by a being who does understand and know all things. Um, yes. and so for us to say that that we're going to be perfect in our interpretation of what God's saying here um, is almost to say that we understand the mind of God, which is obnoxiously arrogant. Uh, So we're, there's going to be things that, that we have great clarity on that we understand. um, Mm -hmm. And there's going to be things that we don't, that we might think we do. And uh, the Lord is going to bring people into your life that have, different points that maybe are clearer on different topics than you are, who can right. help guide you along those paths to, to greater understand scripture. And uh, if we keep back to your point, if we keep chasing those people out of our churches, we'll never grow. So um, yeah. that's, that's certainly. A, and, that, a,
1: and that's the thing. That's what really bothers me into, and I say, well, boy, you've listed a lot of things that bother you. Uh, but, but one of them is there's this idea of this person teaches this and I don't agree with it, therefore I'm going to go to another congregation. Mm-hmm. Now it's one thing if you have a pastor, you have uh, you know the elders of, of one's church, the leadership where they're teaching blatant heresy.
0: Yeah.
1: okay that's different. Mm-hmm. but like I've shared with people before, just because you disagree with some, a brother sister in Christ about something doesn't automatically mean that it constitutes as heresy. That which departs from orthodoxy. Mm -hmm. A totally different thing. But unfortunately, many equate anything that they disagree with, oh, that's heresy, so I'm going to split. Yeah. And it's like uh, what you're saying you don't like or you don't agree with, that's not heresy. It's just something either A, that may be error, but it's not heresy, or it may not even be error. It may just be a personal preference thing altogether.
0: Yeah, Yeah. interpretation or personal preference.
1: Right, yeah.
0: And in those cases, that's that, that's something, I guess, a personal decision on whether you can deal with that personal preference or not, I suppose, but you know, we Shouldn't, we shouldn't be, we shouldn't be cutting off brothers and sisters in Christ because their personal preference is slightly different than ours. Um, if you're doing that, you're going to live a very lonely, (laughs) very lonely life. Um, so so, yeah, uh, heresy is a different thing, but, um, right yeah so anyways uh i guess wrapping up bringing this back uh to a head um when we when we look at the life of enoch we simply see a man who's who's not discussed much uh, apart from a statement of he pleased the lord in his life Mm. because that the lord took him to heaven and uh if we boil that down into its essence uh, we can draw uh, a great example of um, the goal for our life should be similar in the sense that it doesn't, it doesn't matter what other accolades are tagged to our life. The only one that truly matters is whether or not we please God. And if we please God, then we might not be taken to heaven before we die like Elijah or Enoch. But if we please God in our life, then we will be with him in heaven one day, and yeah. that's kind of almost what the story of Enoch very simply uh, boils down to. And then, of course, we have in in Hebrews chapter eleven, uh, verse six, saying that the way to please God is faith, is through faith and that so, God gives. Right, and and so the the point for us needs to be, uh, we need to spend less time focusing on what our hands are doing not to say that we ignore that sure uh, in right time less time focusing on making sure our hands are doing the right things and more time focusing on making sure that our heart is in the right place and that we're in uh, in that that loving relationship with Jesus Christ yeah in our in our in our lives making sure that our relationship with him is in the right place and yeah. then really, I know this sounds um, stereotypical or, or cliche, but really, your hands will worry about themselves. If your heart is in the right place with God, then
1: mm-hmm. your hands
0: will worry about themselves. And yeah, and that, and that's that's
1: that, that's kind of like on in Sunday school. I use the analogy of a husband going to get flowers for his wife, mm-hmm. whether it's for an anniversary or just because whatever the reason is.
0: Yeah, there's
1: two ways of approaching it. I think we're going to know which one is wrong and which one is right. The husband takes the bouquet. He says, here, here's the flowers. I just, you know, I just, I just did it out of duty. I did Uh, it because I had to. Yeah. How do you think the wife's going to respond to that? Right. He might be sleeping on the couch at best. uh, But the fact of the matter is it shows where his heart is that he really doesn't want to do it. His heart's not in it. But then you have a husband that buys a bouquet of flower flowers and says, i just love you i'm just so glad god gave you to me but, but his heart
0: again it's a heart issue it's the same action but the heart's yeah. different. and it's heart's heart stuff that matters because that's it changes it. the meaning of the action yeah yeah that comes straight back to what we're talking about so when we look at the life of enoch that's i really think what we can come to um at the end of the day is that you need to buy your wife flowers and mean it <laughs> I'm kidding. Yes. I'm kidding.
1: Or chocolates.
0: Or chocolates. Um, but seriously, to to make sure that that our, our hearts are in the right place, that, that our lives are pleasing God. So I, I thank you, Luke, for, for coming on and, and joining us again. Uh yeah. we always appreciate your company here and and uh we look forward to talking to you again soon. That uh, sounds
1: great. I'm always so super psyched to be on
0: on your program mm-hmm. on your podcast. <laughs> well, thanks. And uh, all of you listeners out in listener land, we'll talk to you later.